0: Firstly, an apology. You'll notice that the sound quality of this episode is far from perfect. Unfortunately, we didn't realise until after we finished recording that our microphones had in fact not been working. To re-record would have meant that we would have missed out on some incredible nuggets of information that simply couldn't be replicated by re-recording. Thank you for bearing with us. Apologies again and normal sound quality will resume next week. Louisa's answer to everything in life.
1: Essential.
0: Louisa, we've just lost all that audio that we recorded.
1: <laughs> go have Let's a go and have a shower. <laughs> not together. Not <laughs> to- <laughs> that would be for our OnlyFans account. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, not
0: for the body. Hello. 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 another episode
1: of talk birthday with us the weekly podcast hosted by me Ellie and me Louisa as a reminder we are birth doulas we are antenatal educators and now we are professional podcasters (laughs) (laughs) we are also co-founders of the amazing new birth club you can go check us out on Instagram or on www.newbirthclub.com And on this week's episode,
0: we'll let you in on exactly what we've been up to this week. Has Louisa got some news? Plus, you'll hear the devastating moment we found out our microphones had not been working and we'd lost all good quality audio for the episode. Our talk birthy with us topic is V-backs and H-backs, as requested by you, the listeners. And of course, there will be some boss bitch binning going on. So grab a cuppa or your favourite tipple and come and talk birthy with us.
1: turn this on so middle button on on, and then together we'll do minus and on button and then it flashes uh-huh. and then we turn the receiver on and then it should flash four times One two three four. fab and now we press the middle button uh-huh. and again yeah. Fab, it's done, man. Is it done? Why are you flashing? Why are you flashing? I don't think it
0: should flash. Spoiler: It should not flash.
1: Oh, oh my! God. Ah, oh my god! No, but that's fine. This is gonna be fine.
0: Louisa has to be the optimist to save Ellie jumping out of her upstairs window.
1: Um, that's fine. Oh that's that's fine. That is fine. you feel like, <laughs> I'm gonna out my eyes. <laughs> It's time for the weekly catch up. Oh, it's been a good week. It really has. It's, been a, it's been a very good week. It's
0: very autumnal now. Our oh. summer is well and truly gone. Hence the jogger. Yeah. But <laughs> it really, really I'm feeling very
1: I'm ready to hibernate. Yeah, I'm feeling like that as well. I'm feeling a bit slower. I'm going to bed quite early yeah. if I can as well. Obviously we're on call so Yeah, 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 yeah. We kinda of do that anyway. But I just, I'm feeling the need for warm foods as yeah. well, like I'm just loving a bit of like just warm foods, whereas yeah. before I was living for a bit of watermelon salad Yeah, yeah. And, like nice fresh salad. It's so, so salad.
0: mad to me that it just changes overnight. I'll tell you what I cracked out this week, hot oh. wool no, no way.
1: way. Yeah. Oh let my out, god, I, I just felt a bit jealous. I might do
0: that. All through the autumn, all through the winter, I tend to have a water bottle all day and all night. If I'm working oh. in the house, I have it on me.
1: It's so nice, yeah. isn't it? I, I love a hot water bottle. Yeah, I, I didn't used to, but then after I met you, you kind of <laughs>
0: roped me into <laughs> Come over to the Durk, the granny we, side. We've got
1: <laughs> hot water bottles. <laughs> And (laughs) (laughs) props, That is you. (laughs) That is me. I love that. Uh, But yeah, this week I was hanging out with a little baby with a postnatal mama. And that was really nice. Um, I just find it so nice when you get clients that you really connect Mm. with as well. Like a lot of our session, we were just chatting about birth. And she was telling me like bullshit that she had heard from other people And she was like, no, 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 wait a minute, that's not how it goes. Yeah, yeah. And she's like now educating people. I love this so much. Yeah, it's really good. She is amazing. And she had her baby at home completely outside guidelines. Like it was, yeah, it was just a Beautiful. beautiful birth.
0: Yeah. So you've been postnataling. We had our first antenatal session last night with some new
1: clients. We did, and they are so lovely. So lovely. But also, I love that first session
0: when you're getting to know each other. Yeah. And you know sometimes, because everybody's going to move at different paces, it can take a little while to... Get to know each other, become really
1: comfortable with each other. I felt like we just slipped right in there yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a glue, like a glue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what else? What else have we done this week? We've seen each other quite a lot this week, or We've have seen we seen each other a lot this week? We've got.
0: A consultation tomorrow, with oh, potential new yeah. clients. So we'll be seeing each other again tomorrow. Love. We've done pool handovers because the pools are going out. Oh yeah. Hopefully be the vessel into which new lives are born.
1: Oh, love it.
0: Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah,
1: that is it. That is it for us. A good a good busy week. Yeah. Supporting people. Um and just living our best doola lives. On a personal note, nothing has been going on
0: apart from just getting into the autumn. look like I've been getting out my jumpers.
1: Yeah, that's good. Or my, all my personal note is just that my husband is now very keen for a third child. So well, it's no um no no pregnancy announcements. Just
0: whoa, but watch this
1: space. That's up there. Watch Maybe this space. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh. So, if
0: there's nothing else to say, should we just get on with it then? Yeah, let's do it. Here comes the poddy waddy. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> do you like my um, Matthew McConaughey? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. What is that in? I think that's just him.
1: That's he just, he probably maritons. wakes up like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all all right. right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, aye, aye, aye. Right. So an exciting episode today. we feel really good about this subject because i I am a true believer that cesarean births are here for a reason, and they really when needed when um well indicated they save lives for yeah. parents and babies. Having said that, at the moment, we are seeing that cesarean births are happening way, way above. The recommended. Whoa, Nelly, because we haven't actually introduced
0: yeah. the subject. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> <laughs> I just go. I go for gold. <laughs> so we asked. You told us. You told us you wanted us to cover this topic today. We're going to be talking about VBAC, vaginal births after cesarean. Excellent. Well done. Yeah, that no was Um We will also be covering H-backs, which is home birth after cesarean.
1: Which, essentially, you just can just call it all of you back if you yeah, want to. Yeah, we're just going
0: to lump it all into one because...
1: It is all one.
0: Well, I'm excited.
1: Yes, me too. So... I guess the first thing to cover is that we, before we we crack on with all the information that we are excited to share, we just wanted to acknowledge that this can be a sensitive subject. Um, A lot of the time when people are planning to have a vaginal birth after caesarean, they feel like their previous experience wasn't all that positive. Some people will go on to um, describe the experience as traumatising. If you do feel like you have been traumatised by your previous experience, we would highly encourage that you get in with doing some birth trauma resolution before. Yeah. It's really important to
0: consider your first step as being a debrief of sorts.
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And essentially, the way they are, that we see this is that you can't build a positive mindset for your birthing journey your next birthing journey if you are still trying to process mm-hmm. your previous one we are here to tell you that it's not selfish to to feel like you've got negative emotions towards a birth experience, even if you came out alive within a life baby. And I mean, come on. Yeah, it's setting the bar like, fairly come low. come on. There, isn't it? Yeah.
0: We... Like, this was a success because we're both alive. I mean, we live in a really well developed world now where, exactly like you were saying before, we have access to incredible medical care that is sometimes life saving if needed. And actually, very rarely in reality, it is actually needed. Yeah. Um, But in this day and age, in this society, with all access to all of that, we should be setting the bar a little bit higher than healthy mum and healthy
1: baby. Essentially, this is all we wanted to acknowledge beforehand. question that gets
0: asked a lot, like, can I even have a V-bag? Like, is that, how would I know if I fell into the, like, qualifying category or not?
1: And I guess kind of sort of like first things first that we want to address is you are protected by law to make informed decisions about your pregnancy, um, the care that you receive in pregnancy and the care that you receive in labour. Mm. Um, so essentially anyone can be a candidate if you feel yeah. like you want, want to. To, to, to be that person. Of course, I also want to acknowledge that that is easier said than done. It's not just like waking up and be like, "I'm gonna fucking do this." Like understanding your what your options are, understanding what happened beforehand, very much like we said, can give you a very good idea of whether you feel like this is the right option for you. Mm. Um, and for not for you know, a lot
0: of people would choose. To have a repeat cesarean yeah and i think a lot of pe- people actually are quite surprised when because after you have a cesarean birth if you've had a cesarean in the past it's likely that on a second or subsequent pregnancy you will be referred to a consultant appointment regardless simply because you've had a cesarean in the past so you will have a consultant appointment and usually what people are shocked by is they are expecting for them to say so we're going to book you in for your cesarean act because i think there is this kind of like long-held view that once a cesarean Always. always a cesarean and actually things have changed we are looking more at the evidence the research the data which shows that there's no reason why after having a cesarean in the vast majority of cases you can't have a vaginal birth after a cesarean yeah
1: it's really interesting because the studies will also look at the long-term impacts of major abdominal surgery for both um, parents and baby as well so like thinking about like the cost the physical cost and the emotional cost Mm -hmm. and the cost cost the, the, the monetary cost to the system of um hopefully avoiding another surgery um, it's also important to consider as you go through this. There are some factors that could poten- potentially let's just like emphasize that could potentially impact your um, your success rate. I hate that, but like <laughs> your know, statistically could potentially minimally um, impact whether you are more likely or less likely to um have a successful vaginal birth after cesarean. Yeah.
0: Um I think yeah, i mean, there are there are things that
1: will but that's the same for any birth anything. And that is it. Like it's the same with anything. Nowadays it's so hard for you to be considered a lo- like low risk. Yeah. Um but uh, it is so hard. It is so hard because there are so many different uh, um,
0: pigeonholes that you can fall yes, into yes. that would then class you as being high risk as opposed to low risk. Yeah. The the fact that the word risk is thrown around so much in pregnancy and this classifications or categorizations of people, it it, it just shows that the system that we've got has no interest in providing personalised care even if everything in this pregnancy is progressing absolutely fine, there's no actual risk to your pregnancy or to your birth, simply because of the fact that you've had a cesarean in the past, you will attract a high risk label. Yeah. And that is going to impact your care and it can have a huge impact on mindset, which can have a huge impact on your physical experience. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the language that's often used with VBACs which is we hear quite a lot, like try. I'm going to try oh. and have a V back, and that that I totally understand why people tend to use that, and that is because they're often following the lead of their caregivers, which is, you know, that they're, they're very much going to be like try. You know, there's no reason that you can't try a V back or trial. That that try and trial is used a lot. It has such an impact on mindset from the get go. Usually without anyone even recognizing that it is having that impact on their mindset.
1: Yeah, you may even read there's a there's a medical term that is tolac What's T O L A C trial of, of... labor yeah. after cesarean and you're just like stop it stop it. Um and you kind of need to to stop it yourself as well you're planning you are planning to have a vagina birth after cesarean you are planning to have your baby vaginally this is your plan yeah. you're, not, you're not trying to do it you are planning to do it if something comes up along your journey that you then have to go to your plan b your plan c your plan z that's fine then you're planning to do something else you are taking actions to achieve the thing that you want to do um, so language is really important but also, why does he have to be a vaginal birth after cesarean? I'm planning. I'm planning to have a vaginal birth this time round. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is me, bitches. <laughs> he kind of leads us on to thinking whether vaginal births after cesareans are safe. Yeah. Like this is. Are they safe? So
0: after, I, I think after people ask themselves that question of, can I, like do I qualify for a be-back? Yeah. Um, is it safe? Like, what, why wouldn't people go for a VBAC if it's... And I, that is totally understandable. They want to know that it's going to be safe for them. They want to know that it's going to be safe for
1: their baby. Yeah, of course. And the thing is, when it all seems very scary scary as well, when we are using the the, the word risk. The first thing to know is that
0: vaginal birth after caesareans, vaginal birth generally are generally very, very safe, that they are a, our bodies are designed to do it, it generally doesn't require a lot of interruption or interference, generally it's very safe, of course there are going to be exceptions to that rule, but that is the rule, and that's what we need to start putting ourselves in that starting point of like, yes it's safe, and then I look at my other factors, and is there anything that introduces or reduces my safety in this in this case. Yeah. When we talk about the safety of VBAC, there is one main concern, and it's going to be repeated to you probably over and over and over again during your pregnancy, and that is the risk of scar rupture.
1: Yeah. And there, it's really important. We always try to like flip the language as well with our clients because you will be told so much that there is a risk of rupture. Mm. What we would like to ask. You and maybe you can ask your 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 caregiver to to say that to you is what are the chances of it not happening? Mm. What are the chance, chances that I will go on to labour and my uterus will be absolutely mm. fine? Because when we do look at the studies, there were there were three different studies that they were done. And there is a chance of between 99.64% to 99.87% mm-hmm. that you will not happen at all, that your scar will be totes fine as you are labouring and birthing your baby. Yeah. So there is almost a 100% chance that you will be absolutely, absolutely fine. Which is why we feel confident saying...
0: Generally, it's very, very safe. Yeah. Because look at those statistics. Those statistics speak for themselves. The other, the other thing that we're concerned about is not only the scar entirely rupturing. Yeah. Which is, it is that is if if that was to happen to you, if you were in the very tiny percentage of people that that was to happen to, that is a serious medical incident. Yeah. What is more likely to happen? But still, very unlikely in the grand scheme of things to happen, is the scar starts to come apart. The thing that is really important to understand with both scar rupture and with the scar coming apart is that everybody has a risk of rupturing, of uterine rupture. Yes, yes. Anybody who has a uterus has that risk us just walking around daily we have a risk of happening is it likely to happen absolutely not but could it yeah sure like anything could happen however looking at the statistics the nice guidelines have said that this risk of a scar opening so we're talking about that second risk not scar not scar rupture not uterine rupture but just the 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 scar opening is 3.5 Per 1,000 women. That is a small amount in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Women going for a VBAC compared... That's, that's for women who are going for a VBAC. So people who've had a cesarean going for a VBAC, their risk is 3.5 in 1,000. Women who have not had a previous cesarean, who are just having a vaginal birth, their risk is 1.2 per 1000 women so again your caregiver might say to you your chances are doubled which is true right we're looking at 1.2 as opposed to 3.5 so essentially when we're looking at the actual statistics and that is what we want to look we want to look at the actual risk as opposed to the relative risk relative risk would say yeah your chances are doubled which is factually correct but that makes you think that you've got like
1: 50 percent over 50 percent chance
0: yeah and it it's that's not true. Your your chance is still very, 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 very low.
1: So yeah, so these are great odds and it's easy for us to sit here telling you about them. But why is it that your consultants will focus so much on it? Um, one thing that we have to consider is that your consultants, your obstetrician, they are specialists in medicalized births. They are the ones They basically show up if shit hits the fan. So they get to see all of the emergencies. They don't get to see the the successful vaginal births after cesarean, Mm. the successful home births after cesarean. Unless your obstetrician has had a home birth themselves, Mm. they have not been at home birth ever in their lives. They don't get to see the low-risk people laboring. So they don't have the experience unless they've had the experience themselves. So, yeah, it's such, it is such a good point
0: because consultants, like when you actually when you think about how their experiences shape their attitude towards birth and then for their own experiences, there's an excellent book called Heart in the Womb, I think, which is about a consultant who has always worked in birth and considered birth to be a fairly risky business. Then having to undo all of that when it comes yeah. to preparation for her own birth. I'll it's, we, try and put the... we
1: work with doctors, we work with doctors, we work with midwives and depending on the exposure that you, they've had to like birth in their career, they know that they mm-hmm. have to uh, like there's a lot of work to do to mm-hmm. undo the harm of the exposure that they had. So like I've got like a little scenario here to explain as to why your consultant may be so focused on that. So let's see, within their birthing unit, they see 5,000 births. Within 5,000 births within the year, around 840 of those will be vaginal births after caesareans. That means that in that year, they will probably see between one to two scar ruptures. Over six years, they will see one fatality. Happened when there is a, a, a vaginal birth after cesarean happening. In 17 years, they may see an adverse outcome leading to uh, death due to rupture. Your stomach goes crazy. Going crazy um, they will not remember all of the other successful no. vaginal birth after cesarean because something major has happened and they witness it because it's their job to witness it. So that will shape their work in terms of wanting to avoid any instances or instances of a a rupture happening because they don't want to experience that again. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they don't want that to happen to someone else. The reality of it is that are they, by poking and prodding people, are they actually avoiding emergent situations? And by performing repeated major abdominal surgeries, are they then avoiding long-term health care issues for both parent and baby? And we know that the answer is no to all of these questions. So um,
0: that leads us on to kind of another very common question when it comes to feedbacks, which is, is there any circumstances in which... V back wouldn't be advised or suggested.
1: Yeah. So for some people in their previous cesarean, they so there are two types of incisions that can happen with a cesarean. So you've got like the the one that is more commonly used nowadays, which is like that horizontal incision that's really low down Just around kind the bikini of above line. Your cues, yeah. Um. And there is a, a T incision that is done, so kinda of sort of like goes the way up towards your belly button. Vertical. Cool. Um yeah, so it's like a vertical incision and then a horizontal incision. Sometimes that 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 needs to happen due to the shape of the uterus or your baby's position or whatever that is, for whatever reason they need to have extra mm-hmm. um in order to be able to get your baby out. That kind of incision, it tends to have a higher rate of complications, mm-hmm. not only in labor, but in pregnancy as well. Um, and yeah, that can be one of the reasons that's why you'll be encouraged to not have it. Another thing would be a placenta accreta as well. So like when your placenta embeds into the, mm-hmm. the uterine wall. So that means that you are at much higher risk of uh, a postpartum hemorrhage, they, your placenta would need to be removed probably alongside the uterus. Um and placenta accretia is one of the the things that your chances of having it can increase if you've had a previous cesarean as well. Mm-hmm. Um and a low like well uh placenta, placenta previa. previa. But again that
0: is so your risk of be placenta previa and your risk of um, placenta accretia is increased after you've had a caesarean yeah um as opposed to if you've not had a caesarean in the past yeah but if you if you had placenta previa and the placenta didn't move out of the way of the exit hole if you imagine um you know we can't get a baby to sort of magically no. transform through a uh, an organ and again so,
1: this is one of the reasons that's why major abdominal surgery is amazing because that will save the life of both parent and baby, baby. In there that was, instance. Um, at Bristol Zoo they did the caesarean on yeah. that gorilla because yeah. she had placenta previa, didn't yeah. she? So the placenta was covering the the exit, covering the cervix, and they did the, the caesarean to save both mama and little monkey's life, which is amazing. Amazing. Um. But essentially all of the all of the chances of something happening all of the risks they are always yours to take so no one else mm-hmm. gets to decide if a risk is too high or too low for you for your experience mm. you are the only person that can decide whether you are happy to take a chance mm. of something happening or not
0: yeah but that is different to a load of different things that could impact your chances of succeeding with a vaginal birth after caesarean. And this is the same as any birth. Specific to VBAC, there are certain things that are, like, pointed out. High maternal age, where you... So if you're, again, geriatric mother over the age of 35. Weep. <laughs> um That and if you've never experienced a VBAC before, um, it can impact your chances of having and achieving your VBAC.
1: I just wanted to say though that this is not because of your your health. This Mm. is mainly to do with how your caregiver will want to manage your pregnancy and your labour. Yeah, but that again is the same.
0: As whether you've had a cesarean before or whether you have Or not. You are going to be a geriatric mother if you're over the age of 35, regardless of your past birth experiences. And the way that you're treated as a result of being 35 is ridiculous. We are having babies much, much later in our lifetimes than in previous generations and throughout history. If your body is able to conceive a baby and your body is able to keep up with the demands of pregnancy whilst you're growing your baby, there is no indication there that simply because of your age, you are going to be any less likely or able to birth your baby. The age thing is just a factor and it's just a number. We need to look at, does age for you have an impact on your general health? on any conditions that might impact your pregnancy or your ability to give birth. This is what we need to look at. And in a system that supported individualised care, we would be able to do that. But in a system that needs to run as a business, which is what the NHS is, we need to find a way to streamline practices to make it more efficient, to make it more cost-effective. And that's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um, Other things, high BMI. Um, Whether you've had a vaginal birth in the past so maybe you had a vaginal birth then you had a cesarean and now you're going for a v-back or a h-back um if you have previously had a vaginal birth before it's much more likely that you're
1: you'll, you'll be left the fuck alone in that yeah
0: yeah definitely um preeclampsia again preeclampsia is a condition it's a medical condition which affects the health of the gestational parent um The only way to resolve that health issue is to no longer be pregnant because it is a condition that is caused by pregnancy it's not extremely common but it does crop up so in that instance probably a vaginal birth after a cesarean wouldn't be recommended but it neither would a vaginal birth full stop be recommended because usually in order to resolve the preeclampsia and this would obviously be dependent on how um, the symptoms manifest for you, how severe your case of preeclampsia is. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to, we we need to end pregnancy in order to resolve this issue. And therefore, a lot of times with preeclampsia, a cesarean will be suggested. So that's not exclusive to VBACs, that is for all births. Yeah. You are going to have, amongst consultants, it's more likely that they're, going to be more risk-averse because of their experiences shaping their attitude towards risk however you will find even within that consultant like community some people are going to have more risk-averse attitudes and some people are going to be less risk-averse so you can always benefit from getting a second opinion
1: yes 100 percent. and feel free to step out of your um Trust as well to get that second opinion. You can always reach out to if you want to speak to someone who is medically trained. You can reach out to independent midwives and ask for a session. You can reach out to other birth workers like doulas. You can reach out to basically anyone. You (laughs) just reach out out to the world. Um, one thing that would be really, really good to look at actually
0: is if within your trust, and that means like whether, regardless of where you're choosing to give birth, whether that be consultant led unit midwife led unit at home um if you're covered by a trust um that have a look at their statistics ask about what their sort of success rates are with regards to vaginal birth because that's going to give you a really good indication not on your ability to be able to birth your baby vaginally but on their ability to support you with this
1: and again, like we encourage people, any any birth that you're planning, we encourage you to look at your hospital's statistics. A lot of them share them on social media on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you can uh, you can request them. They are obliged to share that information with you. But yeah, have a look at their VBAC success rates. And know whether there is the place for you to be, because that will help you make informed decisions about the care that you receive in pregnancy and in labour, and you'll give you a very good idea of whether they are actually really supportive of vaginal birth after caesareans or not. To shizzle my nizzle. (laughs) Let's talk about
0: um, the role of the estimated due date, which is specifically, like, even more... Frustrating than it normally is yeah. for vaginal births after cesarean, yeah. Because let's face it, a lot of the reason why caesareans might happen, and this is again, regardless of whether you've had a caesarean in the past or not, is going to be going beyond term. Estimated due dates needs to be a, a whole episode on its own, because we could talk about this all day. Yeah. But yeah. specific to VBACs, the, the issue is, again, going back to this language of trial. Yeah, totally, you can try a VBAC, but if you're not giving your body the time it needs to complete pregnancy, if we're not allowing your baby to initiate the process of labour when they're ready to thrive earthside, we're not really giving ourselves the best chance to succeed with a vaginal birth after a cesarean. Or any vaginal birth.
1: If we had not had that pressure from our caregivers and be like, oh, my God, look at you. You're 40 plus one now, babes. Like, what are you going to do? What's your plan? What are you planning on doing? Well, my plan is to wait. Like, are there any concerns for my health and my baby's health? Are there any signs of anything that needs to be managed right now? And the majority of time, the answer is no. Like, the answer is just no. So I suppose
0: a topic that sort of falls really nicely in with this is induction of labour and i have to say that when i have her when i'm working with a client who is planning for a VBAC, i kind of go oh good <laughs> <laughs> good because it's less likely Ooh. that we're going to have massive arguments here about an induction of labor yes because the thing that is different between Uh, people who have not had a a cesarean birth in the past and people who have, is induction of labour would be less advised where you have had a previous cesarean. Yeah. And the reason being, and that's not true of all, again, it needs to be said, this is not true for all trusts. Every trust is going to do what they fucking want, basically. (laughs) Which is so
1: helpful, because like, we support people all over the UK. So we obviously, in-person support, we offer in the area where we are, but we actually work with people all over the UK. And then we're like, okay, so this don't normally happen. And they're like, oh, my trust is different. I'm like, why? Why are all the trusts doing different things? Uh, Specific uh,
0: forms of induction of labour will be less advisable if you
1: have had a previous cesarean and the reason for that is so any gel. man-made hormones um can increase your chances of hyperstimulation of the uterus um and it could lead it could increase your chances of scar rupture so with cesarean births they tend if they are going down an induction route or if you decide to go down an induction route the mechanical forms of induction of labor may be suggested when
0: you're planning to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean one thing that people are commonly told or assume or misbelieve mistakenly believe (laughs) is um oh I will have to be on the consultant led unit um in a hospital setting that's where I'm going to have to be um for your caregiver their preference would be For you to be there on the hospital in the hospital setting because you attract a high risk label, that's going to be the same for any high risk label. Their preference is going to be that you're going to be on the consultant led unit. There is an association between the success rate and midwife led care. Yeah. So being on a midwife-led unit might actually be the preferable choice for you. However, (laughs) there will be some trust like a hospital in our local trust, that literally will not allow you onto the midwife-led unit. Having somebody come out to you to provide care that you are legally entitled to under the Human Rights Act in your home, even though it's not policy, not suggested, is a different ballgame to saying, no, you must give me access to a place that I would come to you.
1: Yeah. Because yeah.
0: there would be a whole other load of legal stuff going on there.
1: Um, what tends to happen with a factor cesarean that happens within a consultant-led unit is that you will be heavily encouraged to have a cannula on your hand, just in case. Again, now, going back to, sorry,
0: just going back to that, that trial mentality. Yeah. We're going to give you some time to have a go at this, but... We are prepping you for surgery. surgery. We are
1: prepping you for surgery. Um, That care in labour massively reduces your chances of having a successful vaginal birth after caesarean. We will talk much more about monitoring, but it's really important that you consider and you do some research on continuous fetal monitoring Mm. um, and intermittent monitoring and what the evidence says about Either of those.
0: Yeah, I think specific to VBAC, because I think that monitoring deserves its own episode, maybe. It does. But um, specific to VBACs for right now, continuous fetal monitoring, sometimes caregivers suggest that continuous fetal monitoring might give us an indication of whether you are experiencing scar rupture or your scar coming apart. That is not evidently backed up anywhere.
1: What there is evidence for though is that continuous fetal monitoring will increase your chances of having an unplanned caesarean birth. Mm-hmm. So again it's just considering your like the chances and the risks, whatever however you wanna like phrase that, mm-hmm. and what you feel happy with. For some people having
0: continuous fetal monitoring being able to check in with their baby at any given turn of their labour might be what makes them feel most safe fine that's absolutely fine as long as that's your decision and that's not pl- placed as a condition upon you you are massively affecting your chances of succeeding or achieving the birth that you want if you're letting someone else take control over other aspects of your labour and your birth and that's the truth Nice, Um, Home birth. Home birth is absolutely an option for you if you are going to be giving birth, uh, if you're going to be having a vaginal birth after a cesarean. And actually, when we look at the success rates of VBACs, the the majority of them happen in the home. In your home. And that's, again, this is not exclusive to VBACs. This is exclusive to vaginal birth.
1: Absolutely.
0: Most vaginal births happen without complication within the home. Yeah. And that just goes back to physiology.
1: Physiology, the type of care they receive, your home birth team could well be way more supportive of uh, a birth outside guidelines than a hospital team would be. The people working within a home birth team, they are really comfortable with allowing physiology to unfold without giving your you or your labour any time frames to follow or stick to.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can we
0: do to maximise our chances?
1: Um, so you can start by, again, just really understanding the physiology of birth. Yeah. Um, understanding how your uh, nervous system works. Yeah. And what you can do to help your body or aid your body in the process. Um setting boundaries early, like we've already said, with your caregivers. So telling your caregivers what you need from them so that you can do the amazing job of growing, nurturing, and then birthing your baby. So yeah. make sure that you are in the driving seat of those decision makers. There's no such thing as shared decision making. Mm-hmm. It's your body, it's your birth, it's your baby. You make those decisions. Asking for more from them, like I would like to see the evidence. I would like you to change the, your language when you're like when you're talking about this with me. Um, I would like to know the exact statistics, mm-hmm. and I would like to know what kind of um, reasonable adjustments you're going to make to your policy mm-hmm. in order for you to better support me. Considering mid uh, midwifery led care yeah. instead of consultant led care. Um, considering your options for monitoring, like we mentioned before, yeah. continuous fetal monitoring can increase your chances of an unplanned vaginal birth. Uh, avoiding an induction of labour so like really washing yourself from any attachment that you may have to mm. your estimated due date mm. and trusting that the absence of any health concerns for you and your baby, an estimated due date, it's not or going past your estimated due date it's not a reason to end your pregnancy, yeah. ever, like ever um, and Again, just making sure that you and your caregiver are not attached to a time limit. Um, It tends to be that a lot of the complications that we do see in in labor, um, they are caused by unnecessary interventions or unnecessary uh, disruptions to the process. Having a vaginal birth after caesarean, it will always be a valid and safe option for the vast majority of the population. And speaking to people who have, have, have had previous successful vaginal births after caesarean, there is one little nugget of information or kind of, sort of like a tip that I got from one of the mamas that we supported. And she said the best bit of birth prep- birth preparation that someone can do is to understand that um, the caregiver, so the obstetrician or the midwife, may not have their their physical and emotional well-being in the forefront of their minds. So they could be relaying policies and guidelines that aren't necessarily there to help you physically and emotionally, they could just be there to help the business run effectively. I love Boss Bitch Bin. It's and Boss Bitch Bin time. It is Boss Bitch Bin time. And this week, we would like to put in the bin um, something that postpartum families hear so much. Oh, my God,
0: so much. And, if I could count uh, the amount of time. I can I would be so angry. If that I, I was told it. this, or that I've heard people be told this. It just needs to get in the bin. So, we're putting in the bin they can't possibly be hungry again um yeah it oh, I feel like we speak with most of the parent nation <laughs> what we say it's one of the most annoying things like what why why can't they be hungry again and even if they're not hungry is it an issue that I'm feeding them
1: Also, we need to start to change people's perception of breastfeeding, that the milk or the act of breastfeeding is just for hunger. Breastfeeding is so much more than that. It's for hunger, for thirst, for emotional support, for physical support, for brain development. So just sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. Get in the bin. Get in the bin.
0: The boss bitch bin. Another episode of Talk Birthy With Us done and dusted and we really hope you enjoyed Talking Birthy With Us once again this week. If you would like to discuss your VBAC or HBAC plans with us via one of our doula power hours, head over to www.newbirthclub.com and head to our booking page to find out about availability and prices. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would absolutely love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. It means the absolute world to our new birthy podcast and it helps other people find us. We'll talk to you next week.